A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was a wonderful character created named Old Ben Kenobi. A few years later, that character was revisited by the actor Ewan McGregor, who played Obi-Wan in the prequels. And now we have a television show coming that takes place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, approximately 10 years after the events on Mustafar. And today we're talking all about Ewan McGregor and his huge challenge that awaits him getting ready to prepare for Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're listening to Han Talks First. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. And I, of course, am your host, Han. Welcome to the show. Glad you could join us today. This is the podcast you're looking for, a Star Wars podcast all about Star Wars. Imagine that. And today we got a bunch of great things to talk about. I'm going to share with you all about the, of course, the Obi-Wan news, which is our main topic. But I also want to talk about a few other things like the Andor TV show and some comments made by Stellan Skarsgård, who is now going to play a role in that show. And also about some news about the Lego Star Wars saga game. And then about a very interesting story about how the Mandalorian actually came to be. And what gave it the final thumbs up from Mr. Bob Iger? So if you're joining us now, welcome. If you're listening on the audio platform, thank you for listening. And be sure to check out the YouTube page as well, because there's tons of visuals I will be sharing. And be sure to subscribe, follow, like, and comment, all that good stuff. And I can't wait to get started. I hope you guys had a great weekend. It, of course, is Monday. This is episode 113. And... I don't know. I'm just, I'm in a good mood. It's a good day. I don't have a headache. I had a bad headache yesterday. So I'm kind of relieved that it's gone today. And uh, I want to hear from you guys. How was your weekend? What did you guys do? Anything Star Warsy related? I would love to know about it. I, I for one, I watched Solo, uh, a Star Wars story, which I haven't seen since 2018 when it came out. Was it 2018? I think it, I think it was May 2018. And uh, honestly i didn't finish it i really i don't think it is a bad movie per se but it's definitely not good (laughs) there's a bunch of things with that i watched it because i was supposed to be on a another a guest on another podcast that fell through and we were going to review that movie but after watching it it made me realize i've never talked about solo on this podcast before So at some point, I will be doing a solo, a Star Wars story review, and you guys can join me for that too, and we'll talk about why that movie didn't work, some of the production drama that happened that kind of caused its ultimate demise, and a little bit about its, you know, its monetary value and the the profit it, it didn't make and why there was issues there. But I think it's an interesting story, nonetheless, the behind the scenes of it all. So at some point, we will do that. And I want to update you guys about something that I've been telling you I've been working on for the past uh, month and a half, and it's my short film. I got the first uh, assembly cut last night at like 11.30 p.m., and which means we're now going to start the first rough draft, which is pretty exciting. But I wanted to share with you guys the concept art for my movie if you're interested. And if you're if you're an audio listener, uh, I'm sorry, but you can check out the concept art on the YouTube page. I'll, I'll link it as well. 
But here is the concept art, and it's just a just a title art made for by my um my lovely girlfriend, and it kind of represents everything this my story is going to be about. It's called Dawn, obviously, and I was going for like a Marvel title reveal concept for when I was making my own. So this is like what you'll see on the IMDb page. It's not the official poster or anything like that, but this is the official title reveal, so to speak. And uh, for the audio listeners, it's it's the words Dawn and the letter A, it's, its tail ends are hanging down a little lower and there's a sunset in um, superimposed into the letters. So that's that. And we'll be having more updates soon, but the assembly cut came in and we are moving along and uh, it was a great assembly cut. So we'll be working on the rough draft tomorrow and I'll have more updates soon. There was one, before I get into the first segment of today's show, I wanted to share with you guys something I stumbled on, on the interwebs that I found really interesting. And it's a new Star Wars collectible that just was announced. And it's a Death Star watch, specifically a, what do they call it here? They call it a Tourbillion watch. Uh, I assume that's just the style of watch it is. And I saw this and I was immediately like, oh my God, I need to have that. So check it out for the visual, for the people watching this, here's a picture of it. And if you are listening to the podcast, you can look this up yourself. Just search Death Star Torbillion Watch and you'll be able to find it. But look at this bad boy. <laughs> How beautiful is that? So the centerpiece is a in-construction Death Star. And the hands of the watch are little star destroyers. And then the the rim of it is beautiful. It's got this like um, dome-like glass on it. And even the straps are really nice too. I mean, look at this thing. It's so beautiful. And then the, the numbers are colored in red, like Sith red. And uh, it just looks so cool. And if I... <laughs> I'll tell you about what the cost is in a second, but check out, it comes in this little box here, which reminds me of the cases you get at Galaxy's Edge for your lightsaber. And it looks pretty heavy duty. And then it doesn't just come with a watch. It comes with these uh, tubes that the watch comes in that kind of look like kyber crystal containers, which I think was the point. And it, you, so you get a container with the strap, a container with the watch, and then the third thing you get is an official prop kyber crystal from Rogue One. And for those of you looking at it here, this is one of the official props used in Rogue One, the movie. Uh, I'm not sure if it was on screen or not, but it was made, it's an official prop. So this whole piece here, the watch, the crystal, the casing, this is an official collector's item. There's only... 10 in existence only 10 of these were made and now i'm going to tell you what the price of this thing is so if you're watching live you can go ahead and guess what the price is it, but if you've looked it up already don't share it with everybody else but the price is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars us that's insane look at this for a watch i've 
I've never spent that much money in my life. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna, I wish I had that money. I would totally buy this watch. Like, you know, this, that kind of spending cash, but that's insane. But it's so, it's really nice. And at some point when someone does buy it, I hope they would do a video to show its features in, in real life. And I think what makes it so expensive is that Kyber crystal that comes with it, which is one of 10 that was used for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And yeah, I just thought that was really cool. Something I wanted to share. And um, I hope you guys appreciated it too. Um, Hello to anyone watching live there on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch. Uh, I have an update actually about the Facebook page. Uh, The Huntox First Facebook page will stay active. However, we will not be streaming there live for a little while. Um, It just requires a lot of bandwidth for my computer and so if you watch on facebook we'll be back at some point once i get back home to my real studio and you know i can plug into ethernet and have all my fancy tools with me but uh for the meantime this will be the last facebook live show until further notice uh let's see okay max just reminded me that on may 25th 2018 is when solo came out yes okay perfect so yeah it's been a while since i saw that movie um, he actually has some thoughts about it. He said, I personally really like Solo, and it's my second favorite Disney Star Wars movie, but I respect your opinion. And to be honest, I really like the logo because it reminds me of Tatooine. Oh, my my Dawn logo. Yeah, uh, partially, I mean, there's tons of Star Wars stuff in there If if uh, whenever you guys get around to seeing it. Uh, I like to throw in a lot of references in my stuff, so you'll see that too. But yeah, Solo, like I said, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think there was a lot of production issues that kind of hurt the final product. But again, at some point, I'm going to do a a full episode dedicated to the review of Solo, maybe titled like why it didn't work for most people or solo production drama or just something like that. But I'm going to want to put a lot of research into it before I just up and talk about it. So uh, let's jump into our first segment of the show like we do every monday here and um here is star wars replay number 14 star wars replay star wars replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in star wars history and this week back in 1964 andy circus who plays snoke was born in 1981 hayden christensen the actor playing anakin skywalker in the prequels was born In the year 2000, screenwriter Jonathan Hales joined Attack of the Clones for rewrites to George Lucas' script. In 2002, Attack of the Clones' soundtrack was released. And finally, in 2003, The Clone Wars video game is released for Xbox. Great game. I highly recommend it. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next Monday to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. So yeah, two birthdays this week and a bunch of other really cool stuff as well. Now, the one mention in there, Jonathan Hales, who helped write Attack of the Clones, which not a lot of people know about. It wasn't solely George Lucas. It was the one time in the prequels that he had an assistant writing. uh, And the reason why he got the credit is because, according to the Writers Guild of America, you have to write at least 50% of either dialogue or action to be able to get a writing credit in the the finals like credits of rolling script and so he wrote almost half maybe more of the attack of the clone script and i know it gets a lot of heat so i will be doing another episode 
in the future about Jonathan Hales, because there's not a lot of information on this guy. And he's never done an interview talking about Star Wars. And I'm going to go dig through the archives, the Jedi archives, and see what I can find and present it to you guys, because I think it'd be interesting to talk about. Maybe, even, possibly, if I can get in touch with him, have him on the show, and then he can talk about Attack the Clones from a writer's point of view, which would be really, really cool. Uh, speaking of other interviews, there's tons you can check out on this podcast if you're new here. I interviewed Yessi Rivera, the face character for Sabine Wren, and also Chris, uh, Christina Ario, who is the host of the Star Wars High Republic show, which you can watch too. We did that last week, and all on the YouTube and on the podcast forum. So let's talk about some of the main topics. So here's a, a really brief one, but I wanted to mention uh, something a little bit about Andor. And we've been getting a lot of casting news. And if you haven't seen, Stellan Skarsgård was cast in Andor the series. And he had some interesting things to say about it on why he accepted the role. And he said this a little recently. He said, and I quote, As you know, they'll shoot me if I say anything. I can't even get a proper script. It's printed on red paper, so I can't make any copies of it. It's ridiculous. But when I saw Rogue One, it had much more atmosphere and seemed a little bit more mature. And that was Tony Gilroy, who's the showrunner on this one. So hopefully, this one will be a little bit more than plastic people falling over. And then, of course, he said part of the reason why he accepted the role was because of his children. And they were fans of Star Wars. And he wanted to kind of be in that as part of a way to kind of connect with his kids and make them a little happy. So the things I take away from this is he accepted this role because he didn't think it was just going to be another regular Disney movie or a Disney Star Wars movie. And it was Rogue One that convinced him to say, I'll be a part of this Andor series. Another thing I take from this is he probably wouldn't have accepted the role otherwise if it was like an Obi-Wan Kenobi series, The Mandalorian. He says specifically Rogue One was the inspiration. And uh, of course, he said the comment about it's not just going to be plastic people falling over, which I assume are stormtroopers <laughs> who, yeah, the, their armor kind of looks like just plastic material, which uh, is kind of the, the fun love of, of those, those, uh, those aspects. But uh, as far as my opinions on him joining the cast, I, I'm pretty excited about it. Stellan Skarsgård is, is an amazing actor, and he has a very, very long career. He's done so many movies, so many different roles. He can do the family-friendly character, like in the Marvel movies. He can be very serious. He can also be very dramatic, and he can also be very, very creepy. I don't know if any of you have seen this volumes, the volumes of movies titled Nymphomaniac, which may not be 100% appropriate to talk about on this show, but they are very experimental films and very uh, cerebral films and very disturbing. And Stellan Skarsgård plays one of the main characters in there, similar to a herald in like the hero's journey to this this uh this middle-aged woman and he's extremely creepy in that and but he does a fantastic job and then of course he's been in pirates of the caribbean he's been in so many big blockbuster hits that you know just adding him to star wars you can't go wrong when you add talent like this so i think i'm excited you know i've said in the past i'm not too thrilled about andor you know but 
the more I hear about it, it, it does make my excitement go up a little bit. But I'm mostly going to jump into the show because of the same reason Stellan did. And Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy saved the original movie, Rogue One. He's kind of the uncredited director of that film. Yeah, Gareth Edwards did a lot of great stuff and did many great contributions. Um, but a part of me still thinks that Gareth Edwards didn't understand Star Wars as much as maybe some of the hardcore fans do. And I say that because there's this story of him walking into the props department um, in the early days of pre-production for Rogue One. And he's looking at the armory props for this this day that he went in there. And they laid out a bunch of different types of stormtrooper guns and like ammunition and um, just ordnance, all types of stuff. And he went through and he said, these are really great, but they don't look like Star Wars types of weapons. And the props master look, looked at him and said, these are actually the originals that were used back in 1978. And he was kind of like, oh, uh, well, let's change it. Let's do something different, which is, is good and bad. On one hand, it's like, was that kind of like a power move? That's, that's out of the question. That was a, a terrible, <laughs> that was a terrible note. But um, it, it was, what was good about that was he did what George did. He took things that already existed and augmented them, added things, took away things. I mean, if you look at the lightsaber, for example, it was a hilt to a flash for an old school camera. They just took off the, the dome and the bulb and then it, you got a lightsaber. Simple as that. So it was a nice um, turn of events there. But Stellan Skarsgård is in Andor series. I would like to know what you guys think about this news. If you're excited about the show, what do you think it's going to be about? And what do you think about Stellan joining the cast? I, again, like I said, uh, wasn't too excited at first, but um, it's growing on me. And I can't wait to see what comes of it. I hope that Andor will be a little darker like Rogue One. Yes, um, I agree, Max. Uh, I hope I hope it's a little darker as well. And um, Rogue One was dark, but... Um, but um, tss, uh, I definitely I, I want a darker show, especially with something like Andor. It's like underground reconnaissance spy thriller. It's what I really want. And kind of like if I were to compare it to Marvel Winter Soldier. And, you know, Rogue One is actually not going to have a dark ending. You may you guys listening may know this, but for those of you that don't, I'm going to share this real quick. Rogue One originally had them ending the movie with a marriage ceremony. What is it called? A wedding. <laughs> and it was with Jin and Cassian getting married at the end of the movie. And I, for one, am not a fan of that idea. I'm glad they cut it. But they wrote that because they didn't think that Disney would let them kill off every character, spoiler, at the end of the movie. Which is kind of funny. They they were like they purposely went. They didn't even ask. They just went for like a, a kid, like a typical Disney ending. Like I'm surprised they didn't write in there that everyone we fade out to everyone like in in dancing or something like the Zemo cut. Just kidding. But so it has an interesting backstory as well. Yet another movie I haven't talked about on this show before. Rogue One. So I will definitely be doing a Rogue One review as well. I've done every other Skywalker Saga movie review, which you can check out on the podcast as well. And I hope you guys enjoy that. Definitely. 
And in the comments here to the Stormtroopers, if Taika's movie is a comedy movie, I think he will show how. Let me read this again to the Stormtroopers. If Taika's movie is a comedy movie, I think he will show how dumb. I think it's you meant dumb. The Stormtroopers are like he did in Mando season one finale. Uh, I think so, too. I think Taika, I mean, he's definitely going to lean into the comedy no matter what he does. He does know how to do dramatic and emotional stuff as well, like with uh, Jojo Rabbit, which was great, but also half of it was just comedy. So when we get his movie, I think he's going to rely on that definitely. But what's great about it is Taika has a very, very dry sense of humor. And in the original Star Wars, the humor in it was extremely dry. It was diegetic. It was realistic. Like when... One of my favorite parts of that movie is when Harrison Ford is talking to the Imperial guards in the in the comms room at from the cellar or from the cells. And he was just like, um, everything's fine here. Everything's good. Uh, how are you? And they're like, what's your badge number? And he gets upset and he just shoots the uh, the intercom. It's like little stuff like that. That's just like it said so much about the character, but it's also like funny and it's like realistic. It's not like too too out there. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was the Lego Star Wars game, which you all know I've been extremely excited about. I I don't play a lot of video games, but Star Wars video games are really cool to me. I played the Star Wars one for the mobile device, which I really loved. And when they announced the whole Skywalker saga as a, a Lego game, I was so thrilled to hear about it. And of course, last year it got postponed due to the pandemic. And they said, don't worry, 2021, we're coming out in the spring which it, I think, if I was correct, it should have come out on Thursday, and they delayed it yet again. And they gave us a reason why. So here is the quote from uh, TT Games, and they say, All of us at TT Games are working hard to make LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga the biggest and best ever LEGO game, but we're going to need more time to do it. We won't be able to make our intended spring release date, but we'll provide update launch time as soon as possible. So what bugs me about this is a similar... I see this a lot in video game companies and how they approach their their PR. They usually announce the game is coming out at a certain time. And then weeks before that release date, they say, we need a couple more months. Why do you wait until days or weeks before the release? I think... I. If I remember, it was supposed to come out either this week or in two weeks, two weeks from now. I can't remember exactly, but that was what was important about this game to me was the announcement anyway, was that they said it was going to be delayed yet again, and they don't have a projected date in mind. But what is great about this message, if you see, they said their goal is to make this game the biggest and best ever Lego game ever, best ever. That excites me. That means they must have a big budget for this game. And of course, they're working with Disney, working with LucasArts. So it's it's going to be up to par with our standards. One of the things I think may have thrown this thing off a little bit is they were waiting for The Rise of Skywalker to release. But again, that was two years ago almost. Well, a year and a half. And so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's obviously a very ambitious game. I mean, nine movies in one game, that's huge. That's extremely huge. But when it does come out, I'm excited for it. I, I, I definitely can't wait to see it. It's, it's up on my list. 
And here we have uh, MX says, I'm so excited about Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. And it's so disappointing that it got delayed again because I really want to play that game right there with you, buddy. I, I can't wait. But when it does come out, I think it's going to be good. And uh, to go back to the thing I said about where I see similarities in other gaming companies is Halo. Halo announced in 2019. I think it was, I think it was in the fall of 2019. They released their trailer for Halo Infinite, which has been the most anticipated game for Halo fans uh, ever since Bungie dropped the the IP and gave it to 343 Industries. And they announced it was coming out next year. And then they, like weeks before it was supposed to drop, they said, you know what? We're going to push it back like another year. And they did that three times. So it's, I don't know, it's just a pattern I see. I understand video games are, are very ambitious projects and they don't have as big a budgets as like movies do, especially Hollywood produced movies. But regardless, it's going to be great when it comes out. I have a feeling. And um, we'll see. We'll see very soon. Third topic before our main topic today is um, I wanted to talk about this very interesting story I found about how The Mandalorian got approved by Disney. More specifically, got approved by Bob Iger. So <clears throat> the show was being developed a long time ago by John Favreau and Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy. And Kathleen Kennedy didn't get the um, approval to greenlight it. And so this was probably around the time of 2018, maybe summer is my prediction, is when they started development. And so the the film wasn't greenlit. It wasn't like, I like the story, let's go. They had to develop concept art. They had to develop story. They had to develop characters and all this kind of stuff. And a big part of that is concept art. If you And this story reminds me a lot of the original concept piece that sold uh, Star Wars to 20th Century Fox. And I'll get to that in a second. But there was a piece of concept art that made Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, say, let's do this show. And he gave it the green light. And it was this right here. This piece of art is what made the executives say, let's make the Mandalorian TV show. Now, if you look, for those of you that can't see this image, it's a picture of Boba Fett handing or holding up Baby Yoda kind of like that scene from Lion King, like on Pride Rock, and showing the other Mandalorians that he exists. And this makes me believe that this show was supposed to be Boba Fett. It wasn't supposed to be the Mandalorian or any Mandalorian. It was going to be Boba Fett. And that was the original pitch for the show. And probably why it took so long to redevelop this series after it was approved. I don't know why they switched it and just did the Mandalorian. I have a feeling that was Kathleen Kennedy because she wants to do new things and not rely on the old, which makes sense. But here is a quote from the one of the artists who was in charge of the concept art creation team. Uh, actually, the man who created this image, this piece of concept art. And he says here, I did an image of Boba Fett holding baby Yoda to a bunch of Mandalorians. And that was the pitch piece for Bob Iger. So we had to get approval from Disney 
for them to give us the thumbs up to move forward with it. Yeah, there's a small group of concept artists that pitch a handful of images, and they are all presented. And I think John Favreau and Dave Filoni went and pressed it on Bob Iger, and they got the budget. And that's when they gave the art department the green light to go ahead and get started, which happened only a few months later. So this quote was from the man who created this image and a fascinating story. It Again, it reminds me of what happened back in 1975 when George Lucas commissioned Ralph McQuarrie to draw a piece of concept art of R2-D2 and C-3PO. And he did, and it was called The Two Droids in the Desert. And George Lucas brought that to 20th Century Fox. And that picture is what made them say, let's make Star Wars. It's kind of a similar thing that happened here. <clears throat> they showed him this image of Boba Fett holding up Baby Yoda. And Bob Iger was like, let's make the Mandalorian. It's a pretty cool story I just wanted to share. Now, I'll get into the main topic here <clears throat> while you all are still with me, because this is the main reason why you're probably here. And it's about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, the title of this video is Ewan McGregor's Incredible Challenge He Faces When Approaching the Kenobi Series. And this is something I've wanted to talk about for a while. And I didn't prepare many notes on it because I just wanted to kind of speak from the heart. Now, for those of you watching live, I want to know what your theories are on what you think the biggest challenges for Obi-Wan is. And if you're listening on the podcast, why don't you share me yours as well? Mine is specifically about character and specifically about character motive. And I'm not talking about him getting into shape, which he announced a few weeks ago and he posted a picture of himself getting really built and swole for his new <clears throat> upcoming role in Kenobi. And I'm also not talking about his transition from Revenge of the Sith to Alec Guinness or the A New Hope Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm talking about something a little bit deeper, something that not a lot of people have mentioned and something that I am most concerned with going forward. Not concerned, but something that I've been thinking about for a very long time before the show was announced before maybe even before Disney bought Lucasfilm. <clears throat> I'm going to take a sip of water and then I'll explain to you guys. <clears throat> so let's go back to the early two thousands when Ian McGregor was preparing for Obi-Wan Kenobi in his twenties. And I'll put up a picture here. So, Back when he was preparing for this role, he said that he watched a bunch of Alec Guinness movies to prepare, especially those of which when he was young, because he was having to play a uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in his 20s. And he totally grasped exactly the, the image and body of Alec Guinness from those earlier days. And he did a great job. There, that's no question. Everyone loves this portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. He did an impossible task. He had to recreate a character from the 70s. He had to make sure he didn't disappoint people with his performance. Like a lot of people, how they were disappointed with Solo, which is another thing I'll talk about in the review, Alden Enright's portrayal of Solo. And a lot of people didn't like that. <clears throat> this was a very hard task to approach back in 1998 when he accepted the role and he did everyone loves this character his 
he did probably the best anyone thought could have been done, maybe even better. And now he faces a similar challenge, where not only does he have to revisit that character and jump forward 10 years, but he also has to embody the the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan that was motively defined throughout the rest of the original trilogy. And what I mean by that is let's take a trip all the way back to Return of the Jedi, where we saw Force Ghost Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, if you remember, throughout all three of the original films, Obi-Wan kept telling Luke he had to go kill Darth Vader. And then in the last film, he told him he has to kill his father. Now, if you think about it, it's not too consistent with the Obi-Wan that we got in the prequel movies. That's not the man that who would have said those things. And if you think about his transition in Rebels when he shows up and kills Maul, he's a very different man. He's, he's old, he's experienced, he's, he's very calm, he's zen almost. And he doesn't strike me as the guy who would just instruct someone to, you know, say, hey, go kill your father. Now, one thing that I always thought in these movies was Obi-Wan Kenobi was testing Luke Skywalker. I've said this before, but going back to the first scene where he tells Luke about the Force, about his father, there's this great moment, this scene in particular, when he's he's showing him the lightsaber and he takes a minute and he just sits back and he just, you know, thinks about the journey that he's potentially going to invite him to go on. And in that moment, you can see the wheels turning in his head. Is he going to tell him the full truth or is he just going to stick to his certain point of view? And then he proceeds to tell him about, he has to go kill Darth Vader. We have to kill Vader. We have to kill the bad guys. And that to me is a test of, of honor for Luke and a test to see if he's a hasty person, if he's just going to go out and, you know, pretty much do what do what someone tells him to do and and kill on command, or is he going to take the time and think about his decisions and try and come up with his own reason to do it or to challenge Obi-Wan's choice? And so that's one thing that Ewan McGregor has to define in this movie, going in this TV show going forward, is how... How is he going to interpret this Obi-Wan from the original trilogy? How is he going to transition from this, the Obi-Wan left on Mustafar, telling Anakin he failed him, to going to Obi-Wan Kenobi 10 years later? And that, to me, is one of the hardest challenges for for Ewan McGregor. You know, he's got the part down. He knows this character. He he's he portrays it perfectly, and he's also just a great actor in general. So I'm not concerned about that. What I am concerned about, and this partially may have to do with just the writing from either Deborah Chow or the screenwriter for this television show, is how are they writing this character? Are they writing it where Obi-Wan went through a drastic like change in his life and now he's a completely different person? Or are they going to continue what was built in Revenge of the Sith? where he's a, he's a little bit more of a a mind player like he, he plays with the minds of people and tries to get get them on that so i probably explained that pretty poorly but that's one thing that 
I've been thinking about for a while. I probably should have wrote it down so I could have a better explanation of what I'm talking about. But I'd love to know what you guys think. If you are watching live, please let me know. You can also message me on Instagram or Twitter and stuff like that. And uh, hello to all the new people in the chat. Welcome. Uh, I'm going to take a minute and see what you guys think about this. Um, Before I do, I just want to ask everyone who's listening, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, or on the podcast, uh, I want to ask you your opinion on something really important because as you know, I have a couple different shows on the Hauntalks First channel. There is, of course, the Hauntalks First Star Wars show. There is the 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 Marvel show that me and my girlfriend do where we talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision, etc. And of course, I just started this little mini series with Yessie called How to Start Your Own Podcast. And I just wanted to hear from you guys if you guys are confused at all about what this brand is supposed to be should and my main question is should i start a brand new show like a whole new channel for these other shows that i have my concern is when new people come and they see han talks first and they see they see the name a star wars podcast but then they see marvel videos and how to start your podcast videos and i don't want people to be confused or not understand what this show is. So I've been debating if I want to start a brand new channel for Marvel and then a brand new channel for any other shows that I might do in the future. And I would love to know your guys' thoughts as well. If you think I should do that or no, you think I should just keep it all in one place and um, keep it going from there. I know I'm not a big enough podcaster to, to, to kind of branch off and start doing other shows as well, but I just wanted to make sure that there is no brand confusion with the people that watch this show because uh, you guys are most important to me as far as how you how, how you consume your content from this from this channel. So if you guys have any topics, um, you let me know. And I just got a message in the chat from some weird name that asked if I want to become famous and buy followers and viewers. Okay, I I don't know what it is. I hate it when these child accounts do this. And they they're always like, "Hey, buy followers. Hey, want to be famous? Hey, want to help we can help you market your show. We can buy you follows on Instagram." I hate that. I hate it so much. I'm never ever going to do that. And I've been spammed hundreds of times by people like this. And I know most of them aren't real people. They're bots, but you got to leave me alone. If there's any mods in the chat right now, if you can please block that person, that'd be fantastic. I've had to block so many people on Instagram because they're just trying to ask if like, I can pay them to help me build my stuff. And it's just so annoying. And it really it really gets to me because I'm not the type of person who wants to pay for promotion or pay to get views because first of all they're not real and second of all uh, it's just a waste of money and that's not what this show is about so i know it's a little off topic for everybody i'm so sorry um but yeah if there's a mod watch uh, watching right now if you can block that person from ever coming back here that'd be fantastic uh so let me see what you guys are saying about today's topics and and then we'll get out of here so Zarkez Zarkez says hello. Hi, 
Hi, Zarquez. Welcome. I don't think I've seen your name before. Nice to see you. Josh says, hey, Han. I just want to stop in and show my support. Can't stay. I'm doing a work thing. Well, screw you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thanks for stopping by and say, hey, uh, it means a lot. So I know you, you got to work. When you got to work, you got to work. It's totally fine. Totally understand. So Max says, I think that Ewan will make a great job. He and Ian are. I think Ewan will make a great job. He and Ian are by far the best actors in the prequels, in my opinion. I think I think I agree with you. Ian McKellen definitely up there, and Ewan is definitely up there. I might suggest also Samuel L. Jackson. He didn't have a lot to do, but it's Samuel L. Jackson. And when you look at his other bodies of work that he's done outside of Star Wars, the character he plays in Star Wars is very different. And, you know, he doesn't drop like MFers and like all this other stuff. But uh, I would throw in Samuel L. Jackson as well. And Christopher Lee. Isn't that funny? Most of, the, most of those people are like side characters. They're not the main characters in Star Wars. Uh, but good point. And 4646 also says Obi-Wan will leave Tatooine in the show. And for me, there has been a there has to be a good reason why. I agree with you. Because Obi-Wan, he's, he's a very committed person, right? He's He's got... He, he His one flaw from other Jedis, similar to Anakin, is attachment. He gets attached to Anakin. He gets attached to Satine. He gets attached to Yoda. And so it's it'll be complicated to see what is so important that would make him leave Tatooine. Because Luke is the last hope. A new hope. And he thinks that this new boy is the chosen one as prophesized by Qui-Gon and the Jedi before him. So yes, he'll have to have a good reason why to leave. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what's coming. And everybody, I think that will do it for today's show. A really quick live stream. Um, I will be back in my home studio very soon. Uh, I'm tired of being here. So we'll have more content coming once I'm back home. And um, I'll keep you updated about my short film. And uh, thank you so much for watching. And please, again, share this with your friends. Check me out on social media. Everything is at Han Talks First. And we will be back next Monday with more Star Wars. And we'll be back on Friday with the final episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's ending. I can't believe it's ending. But you can hear what me and my girlfriend have to say all about it on Friday at 12 p.m. Possibly. My time might change a little bit because I think she works. But... We'll be discussing that on the after show. And that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, like I said, come back next week. We'll have more to talk about and more interviews coming up really soon, too. And a lot of people have been asking me about this new show that, that I've been that I teased that I didn't realize I teased that much. But um, I'll talk about it soon. Don't worry. But um, thanks for showing your support. And again, somehow, some way, somewhere this week. May the force be with you. Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.